Hey, this is Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Chapel, Divine, Texas. Would really like to thank you for taking time to check out our podcast, our Sunday sermons, and our Wednesday night Bible studies. You can always share this, download it, or even find it on Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, SoundCloud, and pretty much wherever you can find a podcast. You can also find out about our church service times. We have our Sunday service at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night Bible study at 7 p.m. We're located in the Market Media Building. It's located at 203 East College Avenue, Sweet C in Divine, Texas. Plus, if you need to get any other information from the church, you can do all of this at our church website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. Here's today's teaching. Uh, So I entitled this today in Mark chapter 3, verses 7 through 12, Christ Crushed and Pressed by the Great Crowd. We'll look at it in three parts. In uh, the ver- verses 7 and 8, Christ and his disciples withdrew. In verses 9 and 10, Christ's humanity and ministry. And then in verses 11 and 12, we'll see Christ ordered them. And, and we're talking about the, uh, the demons as he makes them. He says, not, you, you will not make me known. And uh, we'll get into all of that. So last week, we are actually, I want to kind of bring us to where we're at now in Mark chapter 3, verses 4 through 6. So this is, there's not a lot of time in between this transition. And, and so are days in between this transition. So as we look at Mark chapter 3, verses 4 through 6, it said, uh, And he said to them, It is lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill. But they were silent. And he looked around at them with anger and grieved at the hardness of their heart and said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was restored. And the Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him on how to destroy him. So last week what's happening now is is Jesus, we saw a little bit of his humanity. He was angry. He was grieved. But now what's happening is he's going to take his disciples out of the synagogue. And that's why I read that. So we have the Herodians and the the religious leaders going to plot to kill Jesus or to figure out how they're going to destroy him. The Romans and the Jews trying to figure out how to destroy Jesus. And and what Jesus does, and this is very important, when we see in verse 7, the very beginning of that verse, it says, Jesus withdrew his disciples to the sea. Now, I, I entitled that verse, that first verse, uh, the first two verses there, Christ and his disciples withdrew. It, it's very important. I mean, one of the things I love is I think in Matthew chapter 12, verses 14 and 15, uh, in the Synoptic Gospels, it kind of gives us the, the other side of it. It says, but the Pharisees went out and conspired against him on how to destroy him. And Jesus was aware of this and withdrew from there. And many followed and he, fought, and he healed them all. And so, and then in Luke chapter 6, verse 17, it says, And he came down with them and stood on a level place. And this is going to be where we see the boat come into play. And with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of the people of, the, of all Judea, Jerusalem, and the seacoast of Tyre uh, and Sidon. And so Jesus withdrew his disciples. Jesus is going to do this from time uh, time and time again, as we go through the book of Mark, we're going to see this time and time again where Jesus will actually withdraw to pray, to rest, to, to be refilled, uh, to, to move away from the, the religious leaders because yeah, he was angry, he was grieved at their hard hearts. 
And, and so we, we, if we remember back in Mark chapter 1, verse 35, we saw this already once. And, and rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went to a desolate place. And there he prayed. And so not only does this time he withdraws, but now he withdraws with who? The disciples. He's, he's taking them with him. And, and one of the things I love is they follow his steps. Right? And, and so do you know that there's actually time when we need to withdraw and rest from ministry? And we're going to talk about that because a lot of times what happens is we won't. We burn out. But a lot of followers, one of the things I love is that the disciples follow Jesus. When Jesus withdrew, the disciples went with them. And, and we need to have our steps guided by God. Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 23 says, I know, O Lord, that the way of man is not in himself, that it is not in man who walks to direct his steps. So man shouldn't be, you shouldn't be directing your steps. So who's directing your steps? You or God? And that's a serious question. Because a lot of times what we do is we'll jump into ministry based on emotion and feelings. We'll just jump in and, and, and sadly that doesn't normally end well. We need to be guided in, in the things that we do for God and, and we need to be seeking His will. And unfortunately, a lot of times what happens is, you know, they, you're, you're seeking your will and it, and it creates problems. And, uh, you know, here they are. They're, they're, one of the things I love is that they're serving the people. You know, the, they're, the disciples are going to do everything that Christ asked them to do. And, and at the same time, they're doing what God is calling them to do. And yet the religious leaders are doing what? Wanting to kill them. The people who are supposed to be ushering the people to God are trying to kill Jesus or destroy Jesus. And the disciples are actually following the steps of Jesus and trying to heal people, to, to do everything that Jesus has asked them. Hey, go get a boat. Get ready because we're going we're gonna to start ministering. This is, this is the same thing that we're seeing from chapter 1. But what happens is when, when we're... we're we allow our steps to be guided by ourself is self-centered. And that's not what ministry is about. Ministry is about serving others. And, and Christ, we'll find out when we get to Mark in that chapter, is, you know, Christ came to, to serve, not be served. And, and when you're jumping into things by your emotions and feelings and you're, you're doing it because that's what you want, that's not what your call was. And that's why sometimes you get tired and you get fleshy. I, I, I mean, do you think that, that there may be a time that, that you may need to draw near to God? That you may need to withdraw? That you want to have the Holy Spirit guide and direct your steps? Because that's what should be happening. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 through 20, I love this verse because it... You know, we usually use it for other things, but if we actually look at the context of the verse, it says, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you? So every person that, that gives their life to Christ has the Holy Spirit within them to help guide and direct your steps. 
It says, whom you have from God, you are not your own. For you were bought with the price, so glorify God in your body. One of the things that we need to understand is that when we're connected to the power of the Holy Spirit, God will direct our steps because the Holy Spirit is within you. You need to be guided by God. You know, Jesus withdraws and, and he pulls the disciples, you know, and, and part of the thing he's doing, he's diffusing the situation. He's, he's getting them away from the, the chaos of the, of the religious leaders. But we're going to see over the, the time of the book of Mark, there's 11 occasions where either Jesus is going to retire from the work, he's going to order uh, to escape, he's going to have the enemies uh, cause him to, to escape and he's going to take off, or he's going to go to pray in solitude, or he's going to go for rest, or he's just going to go with a private, private time with the disciples. And so, you know, one of the things that we know is when Jesus withdraws with his disciples to the sea, we live in a country that never rests, that's always busy. And, and what's really crazy is we have the term burnout in the church. That makes no sense to me. That, that, that a Christian can burn out, but it can happen. It can happen. Why? Because they're in their flesh they've been called to something that they called themselves to and not god and i've done this when i first started uh, serving I, I took off like a racehorse and i was gone and i jumped into everything i mean everything and i left my wife and kids behind and and so one of the things that i learned in that minute that time of ministry it was that it was affecting other areas of my life. I was ineffective in all of the ministries that I was in, honestly. I wasn't doing any of them good because I was doing them in my strength. And I, I, I can tell you that what happens is eventually your flesh will come out because you're doing it in your strength. Your flesh will be exposed. You start snapping at people at church, you start having problems at home because everything at the church is more important than what's happening in your home. And God's telling you, you need to withdraw with me. You need to withdraw with me. You become ineffective for ministry at that point. You'd be better off sitting on the sideline at that point because you need rest. One of the things that we're going to learn about this verse is the waves of people keep coming. And ministry is never ending until God comes to call His church home. It's always going to happen. It's not going anywhere. And so there will be times when I ask you, do you need rest? It's okay for you to take off a Wednesday it's okay for you to miss a Sunday. You got to go on vacation. That's cool. You got to go visit. You have somebody in town and you want to go visit? Go. I want you to do that because what that's going to do is you're taking time for, for God to... I, I, one of the things I've, I've always known and I learned the hard way because I remember Pastor Louie telling me, you got to be very careful not to allow the, the ministry to become a mistress because they can't. 
It can. And, and one of the things I remember after, after I had my little incident of my flesh being exposed, and I had to let go of some ministries because I was like, I was never called to do that. And I was never called to do that. I was just trying to help because there was a need. And my flesh, my flesh came out. But I remember at that point, I was like, you know what? We're going to take time off. About every three to four months, we would go to the sea. That's why I love this verse. Like, this could be a great life verse, right? Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the sea. Well, what should I be doing? Withdrawing to the sea. Now, you know, at the end of the day, whatever that may be, whether it's the hill country, whether it's somewhere else, but you need to withdraw. You need to take time to sow into your marriage. Take time to sow into your family. Take time to have a vacation with other believers. That, that actually iron sharpening iron, like they'll hold you accountable and say, hey bro, you need to be, you need to be mindful of this because there's some stuff going on over here you should, you should pray about. And, and, and you can go, man, I, I, all right. Because they're, they're that type of believer. They're that type of person you've had that friendship with long enough to go, you know what, I need to work on that. And, and, and I can tell you in those times when I, have, when I have stepped away in ministry for rest, I hear God so much in my time in the Word, in my time in prayer. We'll be listening to the radio going down and have some sermon on or something that's on during our Wildwood Warm Vacation. Corpus has a wonderful uh, Calvary Chapel there has a wonderful station, has some really good teachers. And, and you just are blessed by hearing the teachings. You're just, it's like God has turned up to volume 10. And, and you're just hearing it because you've, you've settled things down. And you're, at, you're with Him. And, and that's important for us. Remember, because if you become ineffective for ministry, you're called to be the ambassador of Christ. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20, it says, Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ, and this is very important, God making his appeal through us. God is using you to make his appeal. And if you're ineffective and fleshly, what kind of appeal are you making? They're going to be like, I don't want nothing to do with that. They're stressed out, burned out. They're snapping at everybody. And we implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. And so God pleads his grace, his love, his salvation through us. It's a call that he uses on every, every one of us are his ambassadors. It's not the pastor's job. It's not, it's not just the, the leader's jobs to, to, to share the gospel. It is all of ours. God is using all of us. All of us. All of his children. Everyone following Jesus. So what happens when you do get burned out? Do you quit? No. You need to take a rest. You don't quit. You need to take a rest. You need to do exactly what Jesus is doing with these disciples. He's withdrawing with them. He's withdrawing. And sometimes we need to do that. We need to withdraw. You can't be in multiple ministries trying to juggle 15 different things because none of them are going to be juggled properly. And what ends up happening is, you know, you may be in a different season. That's why 
I always ask my wife with children's, how are you doing? How are things going? Because I don't want her to get burned out. And, 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 and it's like I forget what pastor it was. I think it was Pastor Anton who told me, check the temperature of the room. Just see how things are. You know? And so it's important for us to remember, like at, at the end of the day, we, I may ask you that question, like do you, if, you need a, if you need a Wednesday off, it's okay. We can do video worship. It's okay. It's not going to hurt anything. Because one of the things that we need to remember is don't put the pressure of ministry on you. The pressure of ministry is not on me. The Holy Spirit's doing all the heavy lifting, not me. That's what we need to understand. It's like when we serve God, the Holy Spirit does the heavy lifting. When you're connected to the power of the Holy Spirit, it is an amazing thing because you're, you're seeing God move. You're not doing it in your own strength. But I will ask that question, and if I do that, don't, you know, don't take offense to it. Even court, I'll say, court, you need a break from the sound for a week. It's okay. It's okay. If you need to go to the coast, I may be going with you. You know, but at the end of the day, it's like we need to take rest. Now, remember that because we're going to see this time and time again where Jesus will withdraw. It says Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the sea. And a great crowd followed him. So now what we see is this great crowd. So guess what? Ministry keeps coming. That's all I'm saying. Ministry is like a wave of an ocean. It just keeps coming. It'll always be there until Christ calls us home. And a great crowd followed him from Galilee to Judea to Jerusalem and Edomia and from beyond the Jordan and from around Tyre and Sidon. And when the great crowd heard all that he was doing, they came to him. And so what we have is we, we see that, that Jesus withdrew with his disciples. The word is getting out and the crowds are getting bigger. And, and the crowd, you know, even what, what we see is in Edomea, uh, these are, this is a Gentile area. So not only is the word getting out to the Jews, but it's getting out to the Gentiles too. And guess who's coming to see Jesus? The Gentiles. And, and this is important because they're coming from everywhere, from north, south. They're coming to see Jesus. And the, and the crowds were big. They were big. And, and this goes back to Isaiah chapter 42, verses 1 through 4. And Matthew actually gives this verse uh, in, in Isaiah 42, verses 1 through 4. Jesus was not, uh, one of the things it says in, in that, it says, um, this was uh, in, in Matthew chapter 12, verse 17, this was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah, and that's referring to Isaiah 42, verses 1 through 4. It says, Behold, my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved, with, my, uh, with whom my soul is well pleased, I will put my spirit upon him, and he will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. So anyone who tells you that the gospel was never supposed to go to the Gentiles is lying to you, because you can go all the way back to the Old Testament and you see it. And he will not quarrel or cry aloud, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not quench until he brings justice to victory. And in his name the Gentiles will hope. And so we see that verse being, you know, what we're seeing is Christ actually fulfilling the word of God. He's doing what God's word says. When the crowds come, Jesus is there. And Jesus didn't need a crowd. 
Remember, he left last time. The crowd started showing up to the house and he goes, let's go somewhere else. And a lot of pastors would be, I'm going to stay where the crowd is. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to enjoy the crowd. And, and what we need to do is we need to just continue to keep sharing God's word. It, it's not a, a celebrity Christian status that we're looking for. We're here to, to preach God's word. We saw Jesus fulfill God's word, and we need to tell the people about that. That's what we're here to do. In verses 9 and 10, we'll see Christ's humanity and, and ministry. And it says, He told His disciples, Have a boat ready for Him because of the crowd, lest they crush Him. For He had, uh, he had healed many so that all who had diseases pressed around Him to touch Him. And so what we see now is, is they, they, the, the disciples are told to do what? Go get a boat. Why a boat? Because there was tens of thousands of people. It was not a small crowd. Uh, I, I'm going to go back to my B.C. days, before Christ days. If you saw the movie Selena, you can remember when she's pushed, the stage is being pushed and people are being crushed. There have actually been people crushed at a concert. Uh, I think Pearl Jam in 2000 had five or six people get killed overseas because the crowd rushed the stage and ended up pressing and killing and crushing people. And so when we see Jesus say, lest they crush him, it, it deals with the humanity of Christ. We've kind of dealt with the deity, but we haven't really talked about God being Christ being fully God, fully man. And I want to talk about that a little bit here today because it's very important for us to understand that Christ is experiencing fatigue. Christ experiences being tired, uh, hungry. You, we saw in the last verses that he was angry, that he was grieved. He's human, but fully God. And Christ's humanity, this is a couple things that you need to, you need to know about Christ's humanity. And, and anybody who doesn't believe that there's a God, you can read these verses and these things have been answered uh, through the scriptures. And in and, uh, and Galatians chapter 4, verses 4, 4 and 5, it says, But when in the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoptions as sons. So first off, part of Christ's humanity is he had to be born of a woman and born under the law. And that was done, right? That was done. One of the things I love about that is it says, but when the fullness of time. What did Jesus open up with in Mark chapter 1, verse 15? The time is fulfilled. So we see, you know, there's the correlation here. But Christ born under the law. He had to be born under the law. Why? Humans, not animals, humans are the only ones born under the law. Okay? And Christ being human can redeem those under the law. Only a human can redeem those under the law. It has to be the Messiah. And it has to be someone who's not guilty of sin because we're all guilty. He, he is our propitiation. He took the place for our sin. Next we know that Christ is in his humanity was sinless. This is part of the thing that has to happen. He never sinned, and yet he took his sin upon us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. 
God sends his son, Jesus, into this world from heaven. And, and all, of his, all, of, all the sin of humanity is placed upon him. All of it. Your past, your present, your future sin. When you repent, all your sins are forgiven. But guess what? God knows every sin you're going to do. He's all-knowing. He knows all. He knows the beginning and the end of your story. But all that sin was placed on Christ. And by faith, by faith, by us repenting, by us asking God into our heart, we receive the righteousness of God. So when God sees you, you're clothed in the righteousness of his blood because he died on the cross for the sins of this world. He bore the sins of this world. He's the perfect lamb, without spot or blemish. He's the last sacrifice. There is no other sacrifice needed. Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11, kind of, we'll look at two verses, and, and, and Leviticus 17, 11 kind of talks about what had to happen for sin. For the life of, of the flesh is in the blood, and, and I have given it to you, given it for you on the altar to make an atonement of your souls, for it is the blood that makes atonement by the life. So Jesus, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world, in John chapter 1, verse 29, it says, the next day he saw Jesus coming towards him and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22 says, Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. Without the shedding of, uh, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. Jesus had to die on the cross for us to be forgiven. That blood had to be spilled. That's the only way. That's why we tell y'all, Jesus said, I am, the, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to me except, no one comes to the Father except through me. There's no other way. There's no, there are no many roads that lead to heaven. It's only through Christ. We also know that Christ's humanity shows us who's saved. This is a big one. In 1 John chapter 4, verses 1-3, through 3, it says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For, for many false prophets have gone out into the world. We know this is true today. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. And the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard, was coming and is now in the world already. Now, one of the things me and my wife talked about this week is, is the testing of the spirits. Um, Gnosticism has, has taken off. Gnosticism is actually a, a, a teaching that, that you have a higher spiritual knowledge. Um, uh, that you, you think a different way because the Bible wasn't good enough. Uh, testing of the spirits. Another thing is, is like it tells you in the testing of the spirits that, that by this you know the spirit, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Well, there goes the Mormons. There goes the Jehovah Witnesses. Right? There's a list of them that we can go down. Hindu, Buddha, 
They, they don't believe that Jesus Christ is fully God, fully man, is the Son of God, even though the demons we're going to find out are going to say this. And yet we have this, this craziness that's being taught. Now we even have the black Hebrew movement, Hebrew national movement, which is racism, really is what they're teaching. It's sad, but that's the truth. They're not following God's word because they don't believe who Jesus is. You can just test it by what do you believe in Christ? And you can eliminate an argument all day long. Progressive Christianity. They want you to commit a path to long life, uh, living a long life and restore the integrity of our earth. That's part of your Christianity. Did you know that? No, it's not. That's the Green New Deal. That's not... That's what, that's, this is what they're saying progressive Christianity is. They're talking about that there should be a oneness. Yeah, within the body of Christ. But they're talking that you should actually allow sexual orientation and genders. Those don't matter. That's part of their progressive Christianity. They have eight points that they pulled out. This is, this is Gnosticism. They've taken something out of the Bible and they've added to what they think it, this wasn't right. God didn't get this right about genders. God didn't get this right about sexuality. Who are you, God? Because you're not. The court gave me something right before we came up here that Facebook is pushing. Godisimaginary.com and had on there, I am not a Christian. I, what was it? I am not an unapologetic or something. And then I read because I go, well, what are you teaching these people? Because this is showing up in your Facebook feeds. Y'all need to wake up. They're coming now for Christianity. And if you don't know God's word, you're going to get snatched up quickly. It's saying because God doesn't answer prayers, he's not God. He's not keeping his promise. I've never heard an argument based upon prayer. But that's what this whole thing is. And they're saying that there is no God. Because God does not answer his prayers as he promised. And they use Matthew chapter 7, 7. And it's taken completely out of context. They're completely out of context. Because they're treating God as if he's a genie. And saying, if you, if you will receive whatever is asked in prayer, which is in Matthew 21, 21, and that's actually not what it's talking about. That's when your heart aligns with God's. And, and he's saying, well, I, I asked for cancer to disappear. It didn't disappear, so God's not God. And this is the stuff that's being pushed to our kids and being pushed to our friends and family. And we can't figure out why they've gone off the deep end on some things. Because they're, they're, they're not standing firm in understanding who Christ is. We have to be very careful of it and test the spirits. Easiest thing, what do you believe in Christ? Fully God, fully man? That he's coming again? That the only way I can be saved is through the blood of Christ? Because he died on the cross for everyone? He died for my sins and your sins. There's no other way. I have to repent because I'm a sinner. If they don't believe those things, well, did he die and was he resurrected? Yes. 
we agree with that, we're good. If you're teaching something else, you need to really, we need to sit down and look at this. But there's a lot of false teachings being sent out there. So you can test the spirits if somebody's saved. You can actually test it. They should be producing fruit. Another thing is, in Christ's humanity, he fulfilled the prophecy. This is how you know he's Christ, because he fulfilled the prophecy. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. And so Jesus was God. He was a sin offering. He was sent by God the Father. That's why the religious leaders should have gotten it when he said, I am, so the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath because that's a direct reference to Daniel chapter 7. They should have gotten it. They should have gotten it and they don't. It goes back to Daniel chapter 7 verse 13. I saw in the night vision and behold with the clouds of heaven there came one like a Son of Man. And he came to the Ancient of Days, and he was presented before him, and to him was given dominion and glory and kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away. His kingdom, uh, one that shall not be destroyed. So we see Christ's humanity. He's saying, hey, look, uh, get the boat ready because they can crush me. I'm still human. I'm fully God, fully man, right? Have the boat ready. I'll teach from the boat. That way if the crowd starts pushing in, I can, we can go, right? And so we see his ministry too in, in verse 10. It says, for he healed many so that all who had disease pressed around him to touch him. And one of the things that we see is in Mark chapter 12, verse 15, it says that Jesus and many of them followed and he healed them all. This is something so beautiful about ministry is that God wants you to deal with everybody. You don't get to pick and choose who you get to do ministry with. So, we have a very, we're very imperfect, right? We're not perfect people. So when you get to a church, there's going to be times when there's going to be a little rubbing. And I always think about rubbing's racing. I, always think, I don't know why I think of that. That's, that's the southern person in me. But sometimes we, we bump up against each other. And, and we try to make peace. And sometimes that doesn't happen. And, and I'll just continue to pray for that person. I, I just won't do ministry with that person if they're going to do that. I'll try. I'll try to show grace, love, mercy, all that stuff. But you keep biting my hand, I'm not going to keep sticking it out. And, and so, you know, but I love the fact that God has, has healed them all. And there may be something in your life you're thinking, God can't heal this. And he can. You know, we were coming in this morning and we saw two people tweaked out on meth probably. Um, and just sad. I mean, one guy was trying to move the water with a, uh, a piece of cardboard and was working really hard to do it. And I was like, man, what is it going to take for that that demonic spirit that's been placed upon this guy who's addicted to come away and walk away uh, from this addiction it's only going to be jesus jesus is the only one that can save him 
And, and we would normally go, I can't minister to somebody like that. But Jesus did. He ministered to everybody. And, and one of the things that's very important is he ministered to people that were there for the show, that were there to see him heal. Oh, let's go see this Jesus. He's healing people, man. People have, you know, dead hands are coming to life. Let's go see it. And he's going to heal people that maybe not even follow him. That's ministry. People come through the doors. They come, they go. That's okay. We, we try to love on them when they're here. And, and if they don't come back, it's okay. God's, God's moving them on to another place, and that's fine. And, and at the same time, we need to be open and ready to receive the crowds of people. They come and go. And, and that's why I think it's very important that we don't get to pick and choose the people that we do ministry with. We don't get to pick and choose the people that we minister to. God does. God puts those people in your path. He has people in your path every day because you're, you're in the ministry. If you're a follower of Christ, whether you're serving at church or not, you're in the ministry. Wake up to that. You have a calling to go out and share the gospel. And, and so your, your ministry, as soon as you walk out your door, you're in the mission field. And so God will put people in place for you to share the gospel with. And so you need to be ready to do that and, and, and allow the Holy Spirit to, to direct your steps in that. And the last part we see is Christ ordered them in verses 11 and 12. And it says in, in verse 11, And when they, whenever the unclean spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, You are the Son of God. Again, a reference, Son of God. And so one thing that you need to understand is when you are a follower of Christ, the spiritual battle and the warfare is always present. Always that never stops until you go home to be with God. Never stops. Right? Put on the armor of God. Right? Daily. Not, oh, I got an event coming up. We have the night of worship. Let me put the armor of God on these next few days. No, keep it on. Let me tell you something. I can tell you a lot of times, most of the, 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 the most times I've been attacked the most is after the event. When you're the most tired you need to keep that armor on daily because the enemy is going to come at you when you're the most tired jesus would would cast the demons out and they would cry out and the demons knew him and, and they and jesus would silence them and so the enemy is always uh is always uh, physically and spiritually involved in destroying ministry they just showed up. The crowds come and here come the demons. Within the crowd. Well, we see that Jesus can cast and heal and, and, and de Jesus deals with the power of the natural and the spiritual world. And so when, when the, uh, the demons scream... Uh, when he, remember he walked in the synagogue all he did was walk in the synagogue and the demon screams out right they can't be in the presence of him it's in mark chapter 1 verse 23 we went over that immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit and he did what he cried out he cried out and 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 it says in james chapter 2 what do the demons do they tremble they tremble 
you, you believe that God is one you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. They cry out. It's, that's why they said this is a new teaching, a new authority we have not seen. Story after story in front of Jesus. Just dealing with, with people and these demons. And, they, and every one of the stories, they bow and they fall. They bow and they fall because, because he's, he's Christ. He's God. He's, he's God the Son. And what do they scream out? You are the Son of God. You are the Son of God. Even the demons believe in the deity of Christ. Wherever, no matter where they see or meet Christ, they always bear witness to, his, to Him being God the Son. Always. You can look at Mark chapter 5, verses 2 through 7. I can't wait till we get to this verse because this is a wonderful verse. It says in chapter, uh, Mark chapter 5, verse 2, we'll pick it up in verse 2. It says, And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met Him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs. And no one could bind him anymore. Not even with a chain. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains. But he, he wrenched the chains apart. And he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Understand that this is man's way of trying to deal with a demon. They can't even control this guy. And then watch what happens. Night and day among the tombs on the... The mountain he was always crying out and cutting himself with the stones and when he saw Jesus from afar he ran and fell down before him and crying out with a loud voice he said what have you to do with me Jesus son of the most high God we have heaven that testifies Christ in Mark chapter 1 verse 11 it says and the voice came from heaven you are my beloved son with you, uh, with you, I'm well pleased. We have heaven, God the Father, saying, this is my son, Jesus. And yet we have the demons saying, you are the son of God. You are the son of the most high God. You have heaven testifying who Christ is. You have hell testifying who Christ is, and you don't believe so God is God, you know, this imaginary God, y'all need to get over that. Because he's going to be real to you at some point. You either choose to follow him here, or when you take your last breath on this earth, you'll be facing him ready for judgment. And all it takes is one sin, which you've done today. And you're off to hell. And, and what I can't understand is how people don't understand that, that God is real. You have heaven testifying. And you have the demons testifying. And, and people won't believe. See, Jesus wants to have that relationship with us. With Christ, the law keeps us distant. If we don't have Christ, what the law does is it keeps us distant from God. What, what Jesus did on the cross and when he tore the veil, it draws us to God, to Christ, his son. 
Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16 says, Let us with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. We can draw close to Jesus. We have grace. We have grace. And, 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 and sadly, many are pulling away. And it says in verse 12, And, and he strictly ordered them not to make him known. So as they cried out, he said, don't, don't tell them who I am. Why? Well, he doesn't want the demons testifying for him, right? He doesn't. He don't want somebody demonic testifying. He don't want the demons testifying for him. Now, when we get to that, that chapter in Mark, that guy ends up being healed, and he wants to go with Jesus so bad. But Jesus says, no, you go out. And he goes and shares his story out. His testimony of what he was and what Christ did. And we'll get into all that. But one of the things that, that Christ didn't want, he didn't want that demon saying, This is, no, you need to stop. And he, as soon as he said it, they were, they, they were done. And Paul had the same thing happen in Acts chapter 16. Uh, when he had the young girl, the fortune teller in Acts, uh, Acts chapter 16, she kept crying out saying, these are, the, the, these are my servants of the Most High God, in verse 17, who proclaim uh, to you the, the way of salvation. And Paul in verse, Acts 16, verse 18 says, and, this is, and she keeps doing for many days, Paul had be, become greatly annoyed and turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out for that very hour. Why? Paul didn't need her testifying for him. Paul wanted to tell people about Christ, not her. She's demon-possessed. I don't want her telling people about Christ. And this is something very important, because let me tell you something. There are people who are not Christians telling people about a God that they've made up. Rappers, celebrities, politicians are all doing this. They'll preach and talk about God and then, then talk about getting drunk and high and doing all this other stuff. And I'm like, those two things don't go together, bro. And don't you believe in the Illuminati? I mean, yeah, test the spirits. You need to test the spirits. There's a lot of junk out there. A lot of people who claim Christ test the spirits. You cannot claim Christ and be for aborting children. Test the spirits. They're doing testing on body parts of kids that were aborted. Well, but I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Catholic. No, you're not. <laughs> I don't know what you believe, bro. You've made God into your own image. You've adapted what you believe to now, this is what I believe. And I have Christ over here. And that's Gnosticism. That's Gnosticism. There, there's a higher power of knowledge. Yeah, Christ is here, but there's this higher power of knowledge. That's what Gnosticism does. We were watching a commercial yesterday. I forget what channel it was on. I think it was on the animal doctor, Dr. Poe or whatever it is. And the, the, the thing comes up saying, hey, you want a candle for your birthday? We can make one that's been astrologically correct through horoscope something about wiccan and then 
tarot card reading. And that scent will be your scent. Go ahead and light that candle in your house. See what that opens up in your house. You have no idea what you're fixing to open up in your house. God tells you in Scripture not to have anything to do with those micronancers and those who believe in, in tarot cards and all the, the, the horoscopes and astrology. He tells you in Scripture not to do it. Go ahead and light that candle and see what happens. It's the kind of stuff that's happening today. And, and, and if we don't get a grip and stand firm in the faith and, and we need to be willing to, to, to tell people, hey, you know, let me show you something in the Bible because what you're saying, I can show you in Scripture where God says that that's not supposed to be done. And then you, you do what you need to do with it. It's on you. We need to be praying for those people who think they have Christ, but yet their spirit, when you test it, we need to pray for them to come back to Jesus, to their first relationship, right? Application. We'll close it up here. Do you need rest? Everybody's like, yes. Right? Do you need rest? But here's the rest I'm talking about. Do you need some time alone with Jesus to be refreshed and renewed? I, I'm going to tell you at this church, I want you to take rest. You know why? It's gonna, you're going to come back so refreshed and renewed and revigorated. Like you're going to want to be, I'm glad to be doing ministry. Like it gives you, it just, it just puts you in the proper mode of doing ministry. Uh, you know, I'm okay with you taking a break. If you need a, if you're going to go on a, a, a two week vacation, that's cool. We'll we'll work around it. Cause guess what? You're not that important. That includes this guy, me. I'm not that important. God showed me that the day I left Grace Calvary Chapel. The next week, all my all the things I was doing was being taken over. It was done. You're not that important. God wants us to be called to do ministry. But we need to remember at the same time we need to be connected to the power of the Holy Spirit. But we also need that rest. And remember, Jesus took that rest in Mark chapter 1, verse 35. And rising in the in, in early morning, early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to the, a desolate place. And then he prayed. We need time. We need to take time to be with the Lord. We need to take time to spend with our wives, our, our, our husbands, our families. Though all those things are important. We need to, part of our ministry and one of the things we can't neglect, your first ministry is your relationship with Christ. Your second ministry is your marriage. Then your family. And then church comes in there. And guess what? There's different seasons. There are times when your, your, your marriage, your family, kids are sick or something's happening, and it's okay. It's okay. It's just a season that you're in, and it's okay if you have to step. Because guess what? The waves are going to keep coming of ministry. They just keep coming. It's okay. And so I want to tell you from somebody who's done burnout before, I don't want you to do it. And so I'll, I'll ask you all the time. The people that I've discipled, I ask them all the time. Hey, how are you holding up? Did you take some rest? How are you doing? Are you, are you taking time to be with Christ? And you know what the beauty of it is? You learn that it doesn't require a four-month vacation to, to pull away from. Because what you do doing that, it teaches you how to do it daily. 
we learned that daily. That was a hard lesson for me to learn. But we learned that daily. We learned how to pull away and take rest and, and, and be with Christ. You need that. Second, um, who is directing your steps? You or God? That's an easy question, right? We need to be doing God's will, not yours. You know, you, you, you take time. One of the things that you do when you withdraw to be with Christ is you actually get direction. You, you, you understand God's will. You, you're spending time in His Word and meditating in His Word and spending time in prayer. And um, That's another thing too, man. Prayer don't get answered. We just gave two prayers that were answered last week. Imaginary God. They're out of their minds. Y'all need to, hey, you know on Facebook you can put on there fake news or you can do, whatever it is, harassment or, or whatever, just click on it and say you don't want to see that no more. Unbelievable. Remember you have the Holy Spirit within you. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. The Holy Spirit within you will guide you, will give you the power to direct your steps. Okay? Why? Because you were bought with a price. You were bought with a price. You belong to Him. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Some of you are walking by the flesh, and you gotta, you got to walk by the Spirit. Okay? Uh, last, last one. Heaven and hell testified who Christ is. What is keeping you from sharing Christ to others? So you have God the Father testifying, this is my beloved Son. You have the demons from hell testifying that, hey, this is the Son of Man, the Son of God. What, you're called to share the gospel. Like I said, you have people that are sharing what they think God is. Oprah Renfrey will tell you there's many roads to God. That's wrong. T.D. Jakes, too, will tell you that. And so will, and so will Joel Osteen. It's all wrong. And people are believing this stuff. You have celebrities doing it. You have politicians doing it. You know the gospel. You know the gospel. You're an ambassador for Christ. And God is trying to do what? God is making his appeal through you. Through you. Through grace, love, his mercy, His salvation, He's using you. Are you going to testify for God about His Son Jesus and why He came? And share the gospel. Romans chapter 1 verse 16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. It's, it's a lot. It didn't seem like that much in those verses, but there's a lot there. Right? One of the things that you see is, is it's, a, it's very similar to verse chapter 1, right? The ministry that's going on is very similar. So the ministry keeps coming, keeps coming, keeps coming, keeps coming. And Jesus is keep trying to direct his disciples. They're fixing to become apostles next week. That's what we're going to learn. And so, uh, you know, if you need to take rest, take rest. It's okay. It's okay. Get with, get with the Lord. Get withdraw with Jesus and get some rest.
Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for this word. We thank you for allowing us to be here. Lord, speak to each of our hearts. Allow the Holy Spirit that's within us, within us, each one of us that are, that are your followers, Lord, speak to us. And then those that may have tuned into this and may be going, I didn't know about God. I, I pray that you would understand that, that God wants to have a relationship with you. It's not a religion. God is not asking you to follow a dead religion because many people are following dead religions. Test the spirits. Let us test the spirits. Let us test what they say about Christ because you can go to the Muslim faith. You can go to the, uh, the Mormon faith. You can go to the Jehovah Witness faith, the Hindu, the Buddhism. All of that does not, they're false teachings because they don't believe in the deity and the humanity of Christ. They don't. If you don't believe me, open up the Bible. Do some research. Go to our website. We have stuff on this. It explains it. And I just pray, Lord, that you do a mighty work in the hearts of the people here in Divine. You do a mighty work in our hearts. We pray for those. Like I said, there's some that have a, a summer cold. And, and we pray for the healing for those that are sick. We pray for those that are dealing with other issues. Uh, health-wise that you would heal them as well and uh, we just thank you father god for all that you're doing in our lives we pray for the marriages here we pray that that we would sow into our marriages and find rest uh, with you in our marriage and our families and uh, i just thank you so much for everyone here and we just ask that you just continue to bless us and bless this building and we ask these things in jesus name amen thank you so much that was pastor michael petit from calvary divine texas remember if you need to get more information on the church you can do that at calvarydivine.org god bless